0: This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate
1: podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate this week. I sit down with Angel Rebo, who is the founder of the CEO Confidant. After many years traveling the globe doing B2B sales, Angel jumped out on his own to start helping CEOs personally and professionally with their processes and strategies after seeing a need with working so many in his corporate career. He is also the founder of Wisdom for Kids, which is a charitable foundation that helps underprivileged kids in South America. We had a wide-ranging conversation. Angel is very passionate about helping businesses. Small to medium is his particular niche where he really helps those CEOs elevate themselves and their company to the next level. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Also, if you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Drop me a five-star review. Leave me a comment. Let me know the value taken away. Anybody else would like to see me interview? If you haven't, please share with three or four or five friends if you're on social share it tag me let me know what you're thinking so i can repost to share the love back thanks so much and i hope you enjoy this conversation with angel all right i've got angel rebo on grind sound elevate
0: angel how are you i'm extremely well thank you for having me here and thank you to everybody listening Geyser yeah absolutely um man you've got a ton of experience
1: in a lot of different areas. you've lived in a lot of places you speak five languages very impressive um, come from one of my favorite cities in the world I've been to Barcelona, but you know i don't want I don't want to be the spoiler. I want you to give a little context and background <laughs> about who you are and what you do and kind of uh, you know how you got to where you're at
0: yeah thank you i would I would say that. Um, one of the questions I've asked myself throughout my entire life has been a very simple question, which actually it was the question I decided to make the motto for 2020. It has only two words and it's why not? Mm. Why not? So throughout my entire life, you know, I was the son of you know, a family of four, you know, like lower middle class in Spain, blah, blah, blah. But my mom and dad said, you have to learn foreign languages. You have to learn French and you have to learn English. So after high school, I was able to fluently speak English and French and go to any country speaking those languages and being able to defend myself, right? So Mm -hmm. that started definitely, that defined myself. So fast forward, I ended up here in Plano, Texas, north of Dallas. And, you know, what I do for a living, so people know me because of two reasons, mainly for two reasons, besides being online all the time is number one, because I help both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs, to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure. That means that I help them to accelerate the growth of their businesses through different strategies and tactics related to business acceleration, business or acceleration of their growth of their companies. Mm -hmm. And I'm also known because at the same time I started my own business four years ago when I left corporate America, I started a foundation. It's called Wisdom for Kids. And what we do is we help underprivileged kids in Latin America, you know, to become entrepreneurs using the local resources. And that I started because I lived in Latin America for many years. So I saw the poverty there and right. I said, Hey, if I'm not doing it, who's going to do it? Why not? Why not, not doing it? If it's not me, who's going to do it? Who's going to help out those kids? You have kids. I have kids. You know, many of us have kids and who wouldn't like to leave behind a much better world than the world that we found. Yeah. That's why I started it. Yeah. Now it's beautiful. I think that there's a lot, to be
1: said for what you're doing. A lot of people are always like, yeah, there's, there's this issue. Hopefully someone takes care of it. You know, instead of realizing like, well, shit, that person could be me, you know, I could step up. Um, how I, I wanted to get your take. I know you're from, you're from Spain. We just talked about you live here in the States. So why Latin America? I mean, there's lots of places in the world, right. That, that have poverty. Yeah. Uh, people don't get right education, right. Uh, type of food, water. So yeah. why there?
0: Yeah. Number one is because I was I was working for an American company in London and uh, I actually I was sent to Boston to take a, a, a sales boot camp in 2001. And I, I was reading a book, literally someone a friend of mine in London gave me a book and I was reading that book. It's called The Celestine's Prophecy. If you have not read it, it's a, it's a powerful book, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. And I finished reading it, the, reading the book after a few days of vacation I took after my sales bootcamp. And I was at that time, I was in Latin America in vacation after that sales bootcamp. And I said, oh my God, there must be a reason why this amazing, beautiful book that I've enjoyed so much to read. I'm reading it in Latin America. So I think I have to come here. So I went back to London. I asked my managers, can you please send me to one of your offices in Latin America? Could you send me to one of your offices? Obviously being an Spaniard, there's this cultural affinity (laughs) between sure. Latin America and Spain. So I ended up working in, in Mexico only after three three months later I was already in Mexico City um, you know running the company uh, office there in Mexico City and doing business with Central America and, 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 and Mexico. And that was the starting point in which I started to be to, to be uh, seeing, encountering, living with poverty around me every single time I was going to visit a, a client. Every single time I had to serve one of my clients to close a specific deal with the for the company I was working with, every single time I was going to a manufacturing plant that was in the outskirts of a city or in a rural area, and guess what? Every single time I was packing my car there, there were people, there were kids saying, hey, could we wash your windshield? Could we keep your car safe? Could we, would you buy some gum from us? Would you buy some, mm-hmm. a bottle of water, whatever that was? So- In a a matter of minutes, I was like outside those places, meeting with all those people living in poverty, those those children living in poverty. And in a few minutes, I was inside a a plant, a manufacturing plant, talking to the CEO, who was probably one of the most influential person in the area. So I would see this contrast every single time, every single time. So I became so sensitive about, you know, how, In a matter of minutes or seconds, you can be with extremely wealthy and and powerful and influential people. And you can be with completely underprivileged, no drinking water, no basic needs fulfilled kind of children. And that's why when I left Corporate America, I said, I have to do something about it. Mm. Because if it's not me, who's going to do it? Right. (laughs) Not so it's a wonderful motto. And so um,
1: what have you what has the foundation been doing to help? Or is there anything that if, if somebody listened to this and say, hey, yes, I see a need, you know, how can I help? Or how can I be a part of this?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you, you can go to wisdom dot today. That's the website wisdom dot today. Basically, what we do, and I, I love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we teach entrepreneurship to kids in a very unconventional way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we have to use uh, new ways to inspire children sure. uh, and, and to inspire people every t- every every time we can. So we actually developed a workshop in which uh, instead of using a whiteboard to teach kids, you know, this is what you have to do. And this is a step one and two and three. It's a, it's a workshop. It took to us almost two years to develop it because we have three different age groups to make sure that we engage with the kids and the kids engage with us. So we connect with them at an energy level, at, at, like we start the workshop literally dancing. We put a very powerful music and we start dancing. And the kids, the kids don't know me, don't know the volunteers, don't know anything about us. But guess what? They are kids. So what do they do? They uh, they start jumping up and down much more than us. Oh, they course. love it. Yeah. And then you see their smiles in their faces. That's who kids are. That's who kids are. They might be, you know, living in a, in a, I don't know, in in a hut, or they maybe, they don't need, they they actually have to deal with dirt, they don't have drinking water, but when they get to the place where we gather them and we start having this, you know, this jumping up and down in in, in a song, they become who they are. They have no masks in the sense that they don't have to pretend to be someone that they are not, because, you know, children are (laughs) genuine. yeah. We still have not been able to <laughs> you know we still haven't been able to 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 how to say this without using the word screw <laughs> screw up their lives, right? As yeah. as as society, right? So they're still genuine, they still are they really want to have you know a joyful life. They still so we connect at that level in the very beginning of a workshop and from there, you know, we dance, we play games, we sing together. And we we even meditate. We use neuro-linguistic programming Mm -hmm. very, very, very specifically Mm -hmm. because we really want to make a difference. This is the starting point of of our journey with the kids, which is making sure that they understand that they are worth much more than what they think, that we help them increase their self-esteem, and that whatever they do in their lives, it's going to be all right. Mm. They need this reinforcement that regardless of where they are, regardless of what their status is, regardless if they are being tutored by someone, they, have, they are in a foster home uh, or, they, or they, they don't have a parent maybe, whatever their situation is, whatever the circumstances, they still have a clean slate in life. They can achieve anything. They can do anything. And that's what we focus on, on the first stages of our journey for the kids, making sure that they know and they realize that they can do so much more and they can become whoever they want to. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think probably,
1: I mean, it's wonderful that you're doing that for children that are underprivileged. But, man, that sounds like most kids need to hear that message. I know it's something I've talked about on the podcast before that I'm really conscientious and so is my wife with wanting to make sure that we empower our children to let them know that there aren't limitations. Um, I actually had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that he specializes in helping salespeople using uh, NLP. So I'm a little bit familiar now. Um, but it seems like it's a super powerful tool. And if you can start to reconstruct or rewire their brains at an early age to see that there's no limitation. Because so many, as you know, and I'm sure that's some of the things you probably help CEOs with, even people that are at the highest levels of business, they still have self-limiting beliefs. Oh, absolutely.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. We all have limiting beliefs. It's, it's just the nature, the nature of the beast, right? That's who we are. And then if you follow... I mean, you are blessed enough. I remember, I still remember a conversation on a podcast, an interview, that someone asked me, "So, what would you recommend this specific CEO?" And they gave me a specific example, right? And I said, "Having kids as soon as possible." That was my answer. <laughs> Having yeah. kids as soon as possible, because when you have kids and you do really devote time to your kids you are completely into a different position. You are completely into a different mindset, right? Because, you know, they are they are your jewel, right? They're your they are treasure. The, you know, you want them to be brave. You want them to be able to, you know, to live in a world by themselves. They want them not to take anything by the face value, but they make their own research. They want to, you know, that's all the things that all those beliefs that we have, and we try to do the best for with our kids, right? That's who we are as parents. But I really believe two things, they might be a little bit uh, unconventional or disruptive, but I'm still going to to say those two things, Tizer. Sure. Number one, I think that the, ch- the children pick their parents. I really think so. Yeah. I think yep. that kids pick their parents. And second, I think that also the parents have to learn a lot of lessons from the kids that we have. Yep. I-, I really think so. So I think it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a two-way street. So when, when we have... In front of us the responsibility and the duty of raising kids we actually have to think about so many things and we have to sacrifice so many things and we have to think out of the box so how am i going to support my kids in a way in which they feel loved and secure but at the same time i don't want them to say yes to everything i don't want to take anything and say yes because someone else said it no i want you to take your own decisions i don't want you to go down the route of drugs i don't want you to it's up to you. You decide what the route is you want to, that you want to take in your life. I want you to be happy, right? But you have to decide what happy is for you. Right. So all those things, oh my God, we are mentoring our kids and we don't have a manual. No. Right? And we don't, you know, if we ever lived before, we don't remember whatever the experience was, if, if we lived before in another incarnation, whatever this, the belief you know, the beliefs that everybody has. So what I'm trying to say is that Okay, we, are, we will. You know, we loved our partners. We had kids with them, right? But now we have the real thing here, which is kids that have to be raised the best possible way, right? The best possible way. So I believe I believe that this is just an example of very obvious, and that's why it's so important to really leave, close by, and that's one of the reasons I left corporate America to make sure they was with my kids and I was able to spend. Yeah. A lot of time with my kids and learn from them really literally learn from them and not tell them that you have to do this and this and this but you know learn from them and being able to just you know just live the life with them just be on every single circumstance that life brings to us to to learn together you know that's what we have to do and right now as you know uh, this year has been extremely challenging for the families as a whole right for the oh, kids yeah. and, and going back to school and all these things you know, have been complicated, but still, we are there to be their example. We are there to lead them. That's why it's so important. Yes, so due to your question, absolutely. We all have limiting beliefs, no matter where we are. And you don't know the circumstances behind a CEO being a CEO of, of a large corporation. You don't know how he reached that place or she reached that place, right? We don't know how they did it. Obviously, they all have limiting beliefs. and. And, and most of them, actually, obviously, they look for help and they will look for mm. an outside pair of eyes that can help them in their journey, whatever their journey is. Right. And so that's where you come in as a CEO confidant,
1: right? To try to help to reconstruct, help them to grow their business, grow their skill set, grow their minds. So basically, you're a CEO coach. Um, now, do you see a common? you know, I, I like I this analogy of looking at uh, or the constructs I just read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not sure if you've read that, but, you know, fantastic book. And do you see a common thread or theme among CEOs of companies? Is there something that the way that they were raised or that they have, uh, you know, like, because I think people would be like, man, how do these people get to the top of an organization, right? Like what? What do they have that I don't that gets them to the top to, to run their own, to either one, start their own company or two, if you work for a big company and they get to the top of the company, something like a Jack
0: Welch, right? Like how do you get to run a huge company like that? It's the questions that they ask themselves. Mm. It's the questions. I mean, no doubt about it. <laughs> it's the questions. It's like, you know, how do you, instead of asking what if, it's how do I? How do I, or how can we? Okay, so the first thing would be, how do I? How can I do this? How can I do this? Instead of, can I do this, is how can I do it? So it's like the why not attitude. It's like, you know, I really, if I I really want to provide this product or this service with this product or this service to a particular audience, how can I do that in a unique way that I just had the idea of serving with, you know? So how do I do it? How can I do it? And be relentless, taking something that I I use very, very, very often with my coaching and consulting business, which is take imperfect action now. Take Mm -hmm. imperfect action now. You know, in the entrepreneurial world, the startup world, there's something called the minimum viable product. So Mm -hmm. when you launch a business, you try to come up with a specific offer that you're going to be trying to proof test in the market. Mm -hmm. So these people consistently go to the market with a very, you know, open set of eyes and ears to listen what the people are going to say about their ideas immediately. you know, So they don't wait for, it. they start taking action immediately. And they ask, how can I do this? 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 And second, I think that they are much more smart in using the resources, okay? We have been brought up, and that's something I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for with my own kids' education, which is collaboration, mm-hmm. collaboration you know, in, in, the, in the, again, as, as much as we can serve and we want to serve humanity, right? Through our shows and through our interviews and everything, I think that we are raised to be competitive. We are raised with a mindset of scarcity, to be honest, with all due respect to everybody. Sure. Okay. With a mindset of, for me to have, I actually have to subtract or have to steal or have to take away from someone else. And I think this is wrong. I see the world and I think that CEOs see the world as a, you know, as as a, as a, as an arena in which the wealth is there. The wealth is in that arena. The thing is, how can I use all my resources? How can I use all my connections, all my business partners, all my business acquaintances or even personal acquaintances to start a specific business? So they see the world in a different, in a different way. They see the world that they have a lot of resources available. And they, they keep on looking and reaching out to those resources to build up and to build up value for what they offer to the market. Those are That's why summarizing in two questions, right? Is how do I do that instead of can I? How do I do that? And who can help me do this? Yeah. How can I go from where I am today to where I want to go? And let me give you an example. Sure. I was having a conversation with the director of the business accelerator, of uh, the B- Babson College. Babson College is one of the top universities in the country. They rank number one, their entrepreneurial program rank, r- you know, ranks number one consistently every single year. You know Those university rankings, the Babson College in, in Massachusetts. Okay, so I was having a conversation and she was telling me, that was already like four years ago, I think. And she was telling me right now with 10, 15 grand, you can start, you can set up the foundation of a very strong, even global startup, that will change the world forever. Five or six years prior, you would need literally 150, 250, $300,000 to get off the ground with anything. So so I'm just trying to tell everybody listening to us today is that they already have the knowledge and the experience really to launch one of those disrupting uh, ventures that they always wanted to do. They just have to come into terms with themselves and say, hey, I wanna do it. So these people out there that they ask the right questions are not that far away from a mindset perspective from us. The difference is that they take action and they take imperfect action immediately, no yeah. matter what, no matter what. Obviously those CEOs, they still have to the, go to the principal's office, like they have to go to the board, <laughs> right? you know? obviously because they have to make sure that they're uh, giving back obviously the share the shareholder value is has to be there and you know he has to he has to he's accountable to the board and everything but still still he's still the the you know the visible head of the company and then the, the other challenge is how do i make sure that everybody in my organization is fully aware of the business of, of the consequences of their business decisions right and then there's another set of skills which is how to lead my company, how, what's the best way mm-hmm. that I can keep on growing those systems, those processes, and these people that are working with me to make this you know, a, a large corporation if that's what I want to do.
1: I, I want to stay on that, taking the imperfect action because, man, there's so much to be said for that because so many people, they feel like, you know, I, I made a whole video know, a couple months ago how uh, perfectionism is the enemy of money. Right, because so many people get so caught up. I gotta have my T's crossed, my I's dotted. I gotta do all of my research. I gotta have a, a 60 page business plan with everything spilled out. I gotta read all the books. I gotta attend all the seminars. And then maybe I can start. And and I've not been that way. I've more like even when I started this podcast, I'll be honest with you, Angel. I started this podcast. I literally got on and I just started talking. And I told my wife, and she's like, Well, like how do you know what you're doing? I go, I fucking don't <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, I just, I'm just going to start it and I'm going to see where it goes. I'm going to figure this shit out as as I go. So it's wonderful that you're talking about that. Cause so many people don't now, why do you think that that mindset is different with the CEO versus someone uh, who, who would want to be a CEO or someone who aspires, what holds them back from, from just going for it?
0: Well, because they don't have the certainty that they're going to succeed. And they expect social proof, and they have to take risks. One of the CEOs, it's like, um, I always say, you know, I've been been in business development and sales for my entire life, and obviously, this is a podcast that resonates with this message a lot, right? So, but I always say the same thing. If I was hired tomorrow by a large multi-billion dollar software corporation, or any other corporation, and I had to have my first sales call the day after, I wouldn't be afraid, I wouldn't be afraid. You know why? Because as far as I know the benefits, as far as I know what I can provide and what kind of issues I can help my clients to solve, I don't need anything else. I really don't need anything else. Am I going to make mistakes? Oh my God, of course. But probably it will be with someone else in that call, right? So what I'm trying to say is that we already have everything that we need inside of us. Mm. But we are afraid of making a step that, you know, people are going to be laughing at us or we're going to make a big mistake or, you know, and then we will never be able to recover. So this CEO, they already have the certainty. I do have the certainty. I have the certainty that I have a safety net. And I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about that regardless of what I do, I will never be able to screw it up so much that that particular sales call, like, you know, counterpart will never call me back again. Right. Because of who I am. I am respectful. You know, I, 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 my mom and dad you know, invested a lot of time in me and being, you know, good manners. You know, I, I am loving and caring. You know, I, I, don't, I don't curse that much. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be me in front of another human being, another human being. So I have the certainty that regardless of what I do, it's going to be all right. You mentioned about what you did in your, for, your first podcast episode ever. Let me tell you what I did on my first video ever online. For no reason, for no reason, I thought that I had to come clear with the world. For no reason. It was 2016. And I said, okay, I'm going to tell the world who I who am I and what am I standing up for. And I, just, I click go live on Facebook. My, my, my video has to be there and probably on, on YouTube as well. And I just explained who I was, what I was doing and why I had founded, you know, wisdom for kids, blah, blah, blah. When I hit stop broadcasting on Facebook, I started to cry like a baby, Ugh. like a baby, like, Oh my God, what a stress, you know, thousands of people. Well, I mean, it was, pretty pretentious, right? Thousands of people are gonna watch this video. It's out there, anybody can see, and they will see this crazy guy out of the blue saying <laughs> all those things that made no sense because it was my first video ever, you name it. But you know, it was my first video ever and I will never forget it. And I, I, I just like came into terms with my own life, you know, my new life of entrepreneur, you know? So it was kind of, you know, a trauma in some sense, Right, but also it was like a relief. Sure, that's probably why I cried. I probably cried, cried of relief of saying, "I've done it." Right, so it's just we have been taught security is number one. Don't take any risks. Play yeah. safe. Yep. Play safe. If you knew, it's that. That's a wonderful question that probably you have asked or you have heard some. You have asked yourself or you have heard other people asking themselves. Is, you know. If you knew that it's impossible for you to fail, what would you do today? Right. What would you do today? So as as far as you, you know, <laughs> you you are in peace with that, as far as you are in peace with that, then there's nothing that you can fail on. Not honestly.
1: No, I, I totally agree. I'm going to read this to you. I haven't done this before, but I, I called a one of my friends called me last night and he's about 10 years younger than me.
0: Awesome.
1: And, and we were chatting and I said, I'm just, this, this he, he's doing, he's doing financially. He's doing very well. He's got six figures in cash saved. Uh, he's, he's killing it at his job. And he called me, he goes, Hey, you know, my, my dad told me this, my friends are telling me this. And, you know, I feel like I'm not doing well enough and you know, this is kind of where I'm at. And so I texted him this, this morning. I said, Hey, I'm super proud of you. Incredible. You've saved X amount. You know, know whatever decision you make with anything in life, it's never wrong. This is only an experience. Exactly. You know, that that was my message to him. I think that most, a lot of people need to hear that, that like, you can't fuck it up. No. You can't, you know what I mean? No. So, so like the the idea you have, execute, Exactly. you know, just do it,
0: see what happens. If it doesn't work out, at least you know. Absolutely. Right. At least you know. And I'm having chills as you're saying it, I'm having chills because you know what happened? I did I did even even worse after after shooting my first video ever on, on YouTube, excuse me, on, on Facebook. You know what I did? I took the link and I emailed I emailed all my contact list. <laughs> That's wonderful. Love it. Two things happened. Two things happened. Number one, obviously I had the statistics who opened, who didn't open. I don't remember sure. the statistics now, but I will never forget this answer. Never forget this answer. Someone sent me an email saying, that's the most stupid video I've ever seen. Hmm. That's the most stupid video I've ever seen. That was probably the, num- the first lesson ever. I've, I've, I mean, I had had, you know, a budget. I was dealing with budgets on marketing, but that was probably a very interesting marketing lesson for me. Right. Right. Because I said, oh, wonderful. I'm doing something good if someone is telling me that that's the most stupid video you've ever, you've ever received. Right. right? Actually, I think I kept that, that I kept that email because, but again, so what, you know, obviously if I was judgmental, I would have answered to him. Have you ever shot a video yourself? Can you please show me how many times have you done this? How do you feel? Why did you do it? What was the outcome? The second thing, thing that happened to me is that, the tool i was using to send emails unfortunately they blocked me forever so i actually had to change you know this this uh, online marketing you know tools that you use that you have to you follow a certain path you know certain you know techniques to to send the email so i sure. sent too many emails so actually i was blocked for life on that platform but that's okay you know that were those were like two or three lessons learned and I expose myself but at the end of the day I'm still alive Tizer right I'm alive you know I'm alive you know it's, it's like I'm a real person <laughs> yeah, right right exactly I have survived you know and that's 45 years ago four or five years ago and you know my kids have grown and they you know they're all healthy and they're all insanity you know they're living insanity still <laughs> regardless of what's going on out in the world so you know we are here. <laughs> yeah. And that experience, that experience obviously taught me, had I not taken that risk, I would have never felt what I felt at that point in time. And I guarantee you, I will never forget those feelings of receiving that email or of saying, stop broadcast on Facebook, ever. Well, and I think the biggest lesson of you receiving that email is that life went on. Uh-huh. You know, nothing happened. Exactly. So what? I mean, what's the worst thing that you, I don't know, that you go and you shoot a video live and there's 10,000 people watching and you say something that you shouldn't have said? Why not? Who's telling you that maybe there were five people that they have to hear that specific Mm -hmm. statement? Is that you, it's the same as you with your podcast. How do you know that that thing that someone said or you said on that podcast show that day did not change someone's life forever. Yeah. How did you know? That's what you do every single day, Tizer. You change, you transform people's lives every single day by what you say and what would, by what your guests say. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Let's do it, let's do it. Yeah, I've enjoyed that. I love getting the feedback
1: on social media. You know, people, hey, I really took a lot away from this podcast or this was really meaningful to me. Um, and that that always means the world to me. You know, that's why I don't uh, run ads or anything like that on, on the podcast, because it's about really just serving and giving back. And the whole intention of me starting this was like, hey, my first year out of college, like you, I came from a lower middle-class family. I made $34,000 my first year out of college. And I was living in San Diego at the time, which is uh, beautiful, uh, but not cheap, right? And so I would take home, I'll never forget this, my first paycheck was, uh, for two weeks was $750. That's just how much I made. My rent was six, 600. So I'd have about, you know, I'd have about 70, $75 to, to get me through the next two weeks. And it was fucking hard. Um, but you know, developing my skills, going all into myself, taking risks, you know, making some moves, things like that. And then once I got to a point where I had, you know, started making really good money, um, I was in, and I, you know, got the accolades and that type of stuff. I said, well, how can I start to give back to other salespeople? You know, how can I make a difference in other people's lives? And I feel like you and I both have that kind of that common mission together. And I wanted to ask you a question because I picked up on something through, uh, reading about you. And, and even in this conversation, how much of your, how much of your spirituality plays into what you do and how you help people?
0: Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, number one, I think that you've probably heard that when I was explaining it, just to give you an example, when we were thinking about what's the best workshop we can give, what's the best content for a two hour workshop for kids that we might not see again ever in our lives. Meditation had to play a role. Mm -hmm. Meditation had to play a role. So we actually inside those two hours, we have a 20 minute meditation. And that's the most powerful part of the entire two hour workshop is the 20 minute meditation. It's a 20-minute meditation, so that's answering your question. So, spirituality plays a key role because I think that the answers to everything that we want to do or we think we can do is inside of us, and I think that we have to, or that has helped me a lot. I, you know, it's like explore, explore the interior. Go, go inside yourself. Right. So I I started in this journey actually reading that book that I told you before, the Celestine Prophecy. I think it's a great book to start any to end for anybody to start on spirituality. So it was then I mean I, I was born in Spain everybody in Spain is uh, almost everybody well almost everybody is majority of the Spaniards are catholic. catholic I was born catholic right so I mean I was I did everything that a catholic oh, yeah. does up until college that. okay <laughs> prayer hands yeah okay up until you know confirmation I mean you name it everything mm-hmm. I, I belonged even to a professional movement of Catholics, how to live professional in the professional world as a Catholic, everything. But then, you know, you started to realize that one thing is, is what you think is good and what you think you should do for this world. And another thing is what's, what, you know, some institutions, you know, unfortunately, or some people in representing some institutions have done. So what I ended up saying is, okay, so I have been blessed of being exposed to Catholicism and to learning all this, and that gave me a path that helped me to go for the first years in my life. I will never forget who I am. I will never forget all these teachings, but I have to open myself as I am opening to other geographies. I'm opening to other CEOs, other companies, other countries, other continents. I have to open to other avenues of knowledge. And that's how I started to you know, go inside other ways of thinking from a spiritual perspective. So Spirituality plays a very important role in my life. Very important role. I believe that you know it's like sales. You know, I, we haven't talked about this, but I see myself like sales have a very, you know, literally sales have a very important ingredient, very important spiritual ingredient and an energy-related ingredient. You know, I always say that sales is just an exchange of energy, and and the way the way I see, the way I see generating wealth is the exact same thing generating wealth or generating business is the exact same thing i think it's a spiritually based because we are spiritual beings you mentioned mm-hmm. experience right i mean you've probably heard this too before i think we're spiritual beings having a physical experience <laughs> right totally and,
1: agree.
0: And exactly and, and probably you know some people think that that we have had many spiritual many many spiritual experiences or many physical experiences right mm-hmm. and and i became extremely sensitive about the spiritualism when i when, when a tv network in spain hired me to expand their business internationally by doing interviews interestingly enough and their target audience was people open for different avenues of the spiritualism so mm-hmm. i started to interview people in the spiritual world and when you start interviewing people in the spiritual world you suddenly start being curious and asking yourself more questions one of the series i remember the most was i did a series i think it was 12 different episodes interviewing people that had had near-death experiences okay so for someone like me business oriented catholic um um computer engineer is my master's degree okay so i'm kind of very ground to earth imagine start being curious about all those things asking questions okay so tell me your experience, right? Tell me your near death experience. Well, I mean, after 12 people, I guarantee you, there will be some questions that you will start asking yourself, right? And you will, yep. ask, you will start looking for answers. So it's like, take the risk. You know, what, what, what can go wrong? What, what can go? I mean, is, is there a question that maybe you are not going to ask the right question to a specific you know, um, guest that had a spiritual experience or that had a near-death experience? nothing can go really wrong just be there listen that's something that we we have in common the, the hosts right we listen a lot so we know exactly what to what to ask next right we listen but we really listen we actively listen we actively listen so i was doing that and that all those different interviews i, I even i even was blessed with interviewing you know people like famous people like les brown or mm. or 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 uh, some hollywood celebrity celebrity and everything but at the end of the day you realize we're all human beings we're all human beings it doesn't matter if you run a three billion dollar corporation or if you are you know the front desk you know person on on you know the most you know smallest business uh, office of that large corporation it doesn't matter we're all human beings we all want to be happy you know we all want to raise a family or 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 build some wealth at the end of the day we we, we all want the same thing we're not right. We're not so different. Yeah, no, I,
1: I totally agree. And it's great you put it in perspective like that. What a wonderful experience that must have been, uh, getting to interview all those people. That's uh, fascinating. I, I grew up Catholic as well, uh, Irish Catholic. And, um, and so, but my mom, my mom's a Reiki master, um, and, and she was someone I, I grew up watching meditate every day. And, um, and so I, I first got exposed to reincarnation and, and whatnot when I was I don't know, 14, 15, started, you know, going and listening to mediums. So I, could, I was always been super open-minded, you know, um, and I love that about my mom was just like, Hey, like, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. Right. You know, that's what you just have to find your own truth and let it resonate within you. But okay. the most, the most important part um, doesn't matter what you believe in, as long as you know why you believe in it. And and you're just you're open-minded to other people having their own experience, even if it's different from yours. You um, know, now, now that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. So when you're working with the CEOs and you're helping them find maybe some problems within their business or reconstruct their business, do you ever like suggest to them, "Hey, you know, you seem a little stressed out. You seem like you got a lot on your plate. Have you ever tried meditating?" I mean, Mm -hmm. is it, do you talk to them a lot about that or is it just kind of purely this dive in and uh, Oh no, no, here's here's a marketing agenda. This is what we should be
0: doing. No, 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 no. Actually, I, it's funny because eventually my clients ask me, I mean, I start, I I start typically with consulting or training and then they ask me to be their, you know, their confidants or they ask me to be their coaches because of that, because of the questions, because, you know, I really believe that, coaching is much more powerful than consulting. (laughs) I can share my teachings. I can share, I can put my eyes. I can try to analyze on their behalf or helping, you know, develop business in a particular new geography, expand their business internationally in some place. But at the end of the day, what really helps me, what really moves the needle for them is that they embrace those those teachings. They embrace those lessons and they become part of their daily life. Mm. Okay. So, Are they open? Do I suggest that to them? Of course I do. I ask them what they do. You know, I ask them what they do. Maybe some of them, they do, you know, paragliding (laughs) or some of them do, you know, so obviously everybody has been raised going back to education. That's why kids are continuously in my life. Like regardless of what I am, kids are continuously present because what was that person exposed to? Again, don't be judgmental. Just try to understand people. That's why I think spiritualism helps us understand people, you know, without prejudices. Right. Any sort of prejudices, you know, help them or helps me understand them. When they, when they feel understood, then they open to other possibilities. Yeah. But you have to reach that point. So, dude, I, I think that peop- that CEOs more and more and more are open to do other things they haven't done before but they have to see the value. They have to see the value. Once they see the value and they see the results, typically their CEOs are very results-oriented for obvious reasons, right? Very specific, very clear on what they want to measure, right? So that they can manage properly. Yes, they are open and more and more they are uh, uh, open to do that. And well, you know, I mean, we are more and more isolated than ever before. 12 months ago, We would meet with many more people, many, you know, much more often. Right now, unfortunately, there's, you know, things that we cannot do so much and things that, unfortunately, you know, we have to uh, abide by. Uh, and so social interaction becomes more and more, you know, needed, I would say. Social interaction becomes more more needed among everybody on, in the corporate world. Yeah. And I I
1: I really want to hone in on a point that you made um, because I think a lot of people might've missed it, but talking about, you know, CEOs are, you know, results target goal oriented, right? But you can't ever get to your results, your target or your goal, whatever you want to call it, unless you have the right habits instilled. And you talked about, you know, um, you know, what I got from that was the process and it's making sure that you, if once you have the right habits in place, it'll facilitate the right results. And a lot of people don't take account of their habits, and then they don't get the right results. And so sometimes it may they may need that twenty minute break of meditation. And I think that's even with, with children, um, you know, it's getting them to have to at a young age start to be conditioned with the right habits, with the right mindset, and then it it opens them up to all kinds of possibilities. And so I just kind of wanted to go back to that. And is that something that you work on a lot with them is how to structure a day,
0: routine habits to build strength upon? I think um, that, that's a great question. I would say that people that have reached that level, they already have developed very strong habits, mm-hmm. very strong habits. Um, what we, you know, the space that spirituality covers in their lives might be covered by something else. But still, to your point, yes. I mean, obviously, building building additional habits um, takes time. What I typically do is, I think that besides the habits, I don't think that's that's the, blind, the main blind spot I see in companies more than the habits of the CEOs is more are there are they measuring the right things? Mm. Are they measuring the right things? And is or are their employees, their teams, everybody, not only the ones that report directly to to them, not only the leadership team in the companies, but everybody, are they really aligned to what he stands for? Yeah, That's the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, as a person, as an individual, as a CEO, that's how much you can do, right? You are one person. So you have to rely on something and you have to put in place something. So that's why I think that Obviously, I help entrepreneurs or I help like startup CEOs to go to the next level, changing habits. But once you reach a certain point, you know, I help them to manage some conflicts which arise in their families, in their, you know, Hmm. personal lives, etc. But typically, I find blind spots more on how to deal with the rest of the company, with their teams, but all their teams. It doesn't matter if it's a, you know, it's a 20 employee company or if it's a, you know, 5,000 employee company. It doesn't matter. The thing is, how do we all together, all together, we start doing this and we start delivering value to our clients consistently? That's a point that we miss consistently as, as very often. That's why, again, going back to the kids, how many, how many, how many classes, how many periods do your kids have on collaboration? You tell yeah. me how many yeah zero in collaboration in yeah. collaboration just in collaboration in maybe a to- little maybe a little yeah. bit in pe <laughs> that's about it you know exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you are exactly and you are a coach right so you understand the power of synergy you understand the power of passion of enthusiasm you know of of having a manager how important is a manager to your team
1: yeah no it's really important
0: i mean it's like he he might not be right or she might not be maybe you know making or, or, you know, throwing the balls, right? But he or she, they are very, very important for the rest of the team. So there's like, we cannot just rely on a very small group of people, not just on the leadership team. The thing is, how do we make that every single person in the organization fully aware of the consequences of the impact of their business decisions? Mm -hmm. And that's typically what I work the most helping them, helping the business leaders understand and impact that side of their business. Let's make sure that your entire organization is mostly aligned to what needs to be done. Right. To eventually provide the shareholder value that your shareholders want because they invested in you, right? So you are, obviously you are reporting to this board because you are also reporting this, this, this value that you have to bring back to the shareholders. Yeah. That, that, you
1: know, the thing that kind of struck me that I don't see often enough in a way that's done correctly is, you know, Jocko Willink. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jocko. Um, no. he, he has a leadership and consulting firm. he got a great podcast. He was a former Navy SEAL. And he talks about, so a lot of his experience when it comes to leadership consulting is based around this idea of the military works so well, because you have all kinds of different ranks, right? But they always have a common mission. And everybody on the team understands what the mission is and how they contribute to it. And so often, like corporations and companies, it doesn't matter the size, just don't fucking get that. They may have some fluffy mission statement out there that, like, you know, 80% of their fucking employees don't even know. But I think that if they really honed in and had a viable mission statement that people knew, and people could buy into, and that they could all get on the same page, understand how they're contributing to the mission. You know, it sounds to me, that's kind of like what you do. You make the mission evident to people, right, across
0: the entire organization. Let me tell you something. Not only they have these fancy missions in the main, you know, the main meeting room or, you know, the front desk, you know, the hallway, whatever. They make their employees to learn it. Yeah, I know, yeah they make their employees to learn it and sometimes or unfortunately very often it's so difficult to learn it it's so difficult to learn it just because the warning just because of the message you know so i really believe that the number one goal of a mission is that it's engaging for the employees mm-hmm. because they are the ones who are going to be delivering the value to the suppliers the vendors the you know the business partners and the clients right so if the if mission is is so complicated that people have to memorize it it's a wrong mission <laughs> oh my god i Great i remember I, I i will never forget that company the mission was so complicated with so many terms like like not none of the terms was like obvious what evident like was so difficult to learn and you still I mean, just saying it, just putting it on the first slide of your of your corporate presentation to your clients, and then the clients would say, "Oh my God, so many of these super duper words, fancy <laughs> trendy words," you know? Okay, so how does how does that thirty thousand feet mission help us to have a better business? Right. You know, no client asked me that ever. no, no potential client asked me that ever. But to be honest. I don't know what I would have answered, to be honest. So that's maybe just a piece of advice, you know, whenever you drive the process of, of you know, crafting a nice, um, you know, um, a mission statement, please make sure that your employees have a lot to say and they really feel comfortable and it's easy to memorize because if it's easy to memorize, it means that they will be continuously focusing on that mission when dealing with anybody else outside the corporation, not only inside.
1: Right, which is the most important part, right? We're sure. all trying
0: to trying to get to the common goal, the, the,
1: the common objective, whatever that may be, whatever the mission is, you want everybody driving towards that every single day. With you know intention and empathy and love and thoughtfulness, right? I mean that's that's what we're we're trying to do is we're trying to to serve the uh, other people. Um, hopefully, that's what we're trying to <laughs> that's what we're trying to do. Um, Angel, a couple more questions for you. Do you have any success habits or any habits you would recommend to entrepreneurs or salespeople? Things that, that have helped you become successful.
0: Yeah, we, we, we've talked about this before, but it's it's definitely my mantra because it makes a big difference, immediate big difference in anybody's business, which is, as I said before, take imperfect action now. Mm. You know, that's my mantra, take imperfect action now. That's the first thing. Hey, if, if right now you have had to pivot in your business, you have had to reinvent yourself or, or you're thinking of doing it, just take a step forward, put some additional value in the market, look for potential clients of yours or friends or whoever, and just start working on that additional value that you want to bring to the market. Take that imperfect action now. Don't be afraid of the consequences. Just do it now. Start interacting with your potential with your potential audience. As, as I said before, I see the world. It's funny that your mom was a Reiki master, right? So, I see that the world in terms of energy. For me, everything mm-hmm. is energy. <laughs> You're right, it is. Well, It literally, it literally is. It literally is, exactly. Yeah. It literally is. So if everything is energy, so there's a relationship between the energy that you use and how you use it, start using it now. Don't be afraid of anything. If, if anybody else is judgmental, ask yourself this question, are they going to pay your bills at the end of the month? Tell me, tell me, are they going to pay your mortgage? Are they going to pay your electricity bill are they going to pay your water bill you tell me are they going to do it they are not they are not so keep going test whatever you have to test and you know i think that's a great time for pivoting right now basically just basically because as you know the energy of the planet has changed right there has never in history of our lives right regardless of our age we've never lived in a place in which there's so much fear ever. <laughs> yeah. Like it or not, it is what it is, you know. Let's not be, you know, judgmental. It is what it is. There's a lot of fear out there. So there's a lot of consumers. And obviously corporations are also made up of consumers and human beings like you and me, Kaiser, right? So they have they have changed internally. We have to speak to them. Mm-hmm. We have to speak to them. We have to tell them that we know where they are. We have to tell them that we we think that we know what they want and what we can offer to them might be of help to them. You never know, again, we don't know if just this statement has changed the life of someone forever. We don't know. And that's why we are here for, you know, we're not making money out of this. We just are having a conversation of two human beings that have had completely different like stories and lives and experiences, right? But they happen to be together right now creating something new because I believe that interviews have a life of its own. They are, they are alive. I think that the interviews are alive. That's the power of the conversation. They are alive. <laughs> and they adapt even to our audiences, even if you don't have any, any interaction right now or any feedback from the audience, but you will obviously have it. So and that's the beauty. So taking perfect action now and don't worry about anything else. Open yourself to opportunities. I have a multimillionaire you know, um, friend of mine who made an exit of 850 million dollars And he always says, he always says the most important thing. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Right. Um, He said, he always says the most important thing in life is to have options available. Options available. Just think about this and ask yourself, do you have enough options available today? Yes or no? If the answer is no, do something about it now. Make a phone call. Walk. Ask. Anything, change the course of your day right now, and you might be changing your life forever.
1: Love it. That's great advice. Uh, Last question for you, Angel. Do you have any uh, a book or a book or two that you recommend or that you gift often uh, besides the one you already referenced?
0: Yeah, besides the one you already referenced, I would like to recommend. there's a book of, uh, of, of, of someone that I, I really... I mean, it's like the ABC of business. Every single business owner in the world should read this book. It's so obvious, but it's so, so, so good. It's called The Baker's Dozen. And the book, the author is Neville Joffe. He's originally from South Africa, but he lives in Canada and his prior book was actually Climbing the Kilimanjaro. That's the kind of guy he is. Okay. Um, he climbed the Kilimanjaro. So it's about, you know, the, the Baker's Dozen is about basically the 12 recipes, the 12 business principles that everybody should be aware of to conduct the, uh, the, a proper business. So ba- it basically talks about how to become aware of the financial consequences of every single business decision that you take on your business. Mm. And that applies to any business. You can be self-employed, or you can be a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation. That's the first book I would recommend. And the second book I would, I would recommend is from actually a, a gentleman called Dr. Joe Dispenza. Probably you've heard of him. Dr. I Joe have. Dispenza. Yep. Okay, good. So this, the book called Supernatural, mm-hmm. Supernatural is <laughs> an amazing book. I mean, you can get it on also on an audiobook. Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I think that he brings a lot of light about, you know, who we really are. How? What are limiting beliefs, and the importance of breaking the habit of being yourself? <laughs> and I think it's exp- it explains It's great. It's a great book. It's a great read. It, it takes a while, but it's 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 like so eye opening, so eye opening. I've been I've been blessed of even attending some of his uh, you know uh, courses, oh, wow. and, and events. And mm-hmm. what you're going to learn on that on that book it's going to blow, you know, your mind away. And it's going to really, it's going to help you in your life to understand better who we are as human beings. Good. Wonderful recommendations. I haven't read the first one.
1: Um, I'm familiar with supernatural. It's um, my wife actually, she was doing her uh, a yoga certification a couple of years ago and it was part of her, her class reading. And so I, she knows I, i'm into spiritual books so i end up picking it up and i've seen many of his interviews on obi uh, marcus and i don't know if he's been on rogan but he's been he's done the, the podcast tour, so you can find a lot of his content out there it's phenomenal so so great recommendations and angel where can people connect
0: with you at yeah thank you the easiest way is to go and send me an email i respond to a hundred percent of my emails so it's very easy the email address is angel as in heaven angel at angelrebo.com. Angel Rebo Rebo r i b like as in boy O. Angel at Angelrebo.com and I'm online, very active online. I also respond to every single message online. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post every single day, both business related and you know human potential related. So you can find me there and it will be a pleasure to, you know, if you want to interact with my content, it will be a blessing. Again, I always respond to everything. So um, thank you for the opportunity to have all your audience ties or to to connect with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I will uh, post all of Angel's uh, contact info in the show notes so you can reach out to him um, uh, through, through email, his site, or on LinkedIn. Sounds like those are great places. I know uh, we chat a little bit. He's got a great uh, LinkedIn following, and, and he produces great content, like he just mentioned on there. So please do connect with him and absorb his content. Uh, Or if you're a CEO and you want to work with Angel, uh, please do that. Uh, I know he's helped, I mean, literally uh, thousands of people. And his goal is to to work with thousands more. I read a little bit about that as well. Um, So some big missions ahead, and I love what you're doing for children. Um, That's something, you know, uh, that that mantra this year, save the children, all the stuff that's been happening to them around the world, just in general, that's been exposed. Um, I've I've donated money to it. So I commend you for what you're doing to help children. um, Literacy is everything in the world uh, to get them to where they need to be and out of poverty. So thank you. Um, I just want to say, acknowledge you and say thank you for your work you've done. Uh, It's very selfless. And thank you so much for
0: your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, Tizer. And thank you, everyone listening. You know, uh, it's our time is the most uh, scarce. The only scarce resource we have is time. So I value the, the, the opportunity to, to basically to talk to you today and to have a conversation with Tizer. Thank you so much. Thank you.